here. Um, we're still in Joshua 1, actually. I know some of you are going, oh, not Joshua 1 again, seriously. But there's so much in there that we can receive and so many things that bridge across into the New Testament from Joshua 1. It's a great place to land for a while. So we're just going to have a look at Joshua 1, 9 and 10 and 11, guys, if we can throw that up there, please. And it says here, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. That's because discouragement was going to come. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua, order the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan uh, here where they were and go in to take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So there's several applications we can make out of this as we bridge across from the Old Testament patterns into the New Testament reality that God has given to us through Jesus Christ. There's personal things that we can adopt into our life and there's also corporate things. Notice here that this scripture speaks to Joshua, but it also speaks to everybody. It wasn't Joshua that was crossing the land, it was the people. It was a whole thing that they were doing together. This whole idea of doing things together is a New Testament principle. It's not just you, it's us and how we are Christ's body and what we do together. So we're going to look at that a little later on. I will be oscillating between just personal things and us together as we look at Joshua 1. And at the end of my message, we're going to have some prayer. And we've already got Jackie here that needs to be prayed for. That's going to be good. And, and some others. So do keep in mind, don't, I know you want to rush out and meet the incoming crowd, but also make some space if, if you want to just respond to this message today, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. So do that. Now let's remember the context that this is all in. The book of Joshua is the first the first of a series of history books. It's the sixth book. And the Bible changes its theme in Joshua 1. Uh, Joshua is fulfilling the promise that was gave, given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And it's important to get this whole storyline, lest we take sort of a story out of Scripture and make it say something it shouldn't be saying. And so it's all about the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham. That you will be blessed, you will be a blessing, and I'll give you some land. And so hundreds of years pass, we understand there's the traumas of Egypt and all. And Moses comes along and many, many things occur. And so this particular little passage here, 9, 10 and 11, it's, this, it's coming up to a crescendo in history where the promise was made to, the, to this nomad called Abraham and God reveals himself and, and suddenly it's coming to this point, they're standing at the edge of of the river you see and there's masses of them there's a couple of million of these people and the inhabitants of the land are terrified out of their socks with, with this mob on the other side of the Jordan ready to come in and they had a chance to repent keep that in mind they did have a chance to repent uh, and only a very few did as we understand when we think of Rahab uh, the, the harlot uh, and so this is the context, friends, that, that this all sits in. And it's really important to be reminded of that. Now, Moses brings the law. Now, this is an important point about Joshua and the people. Moses brings the law, but the law, just having the law, did not give them the promised land. Having the promises did not give them the promises. 
What had to happen was the promises and the law had to be united with faith and obedience. And Joshua the man characterizes the life of faith and obedience. He's the, new, he's, he's the archetype of the Messiah to come. The name Jesus that we get out of the Greek word Iesus, and the Greek gets that out of the, the name Yeshua. So we get Hebrew, Greek, and Jesus, and we finally end up with, with the anglified version of that. It means deliverer, the one who saves. The, uh, and that's an important point about Joshua's name, which we've probably already been referred to in the last couple of weeks. And so this idea that, that just having the promises of God is not going to do you any good whatsoever unless it's united with something. It's united with a confidence that God will deliver something new to me if I cross that Jordan. And we all have to cross a Jordan in our life somewhere. You cross from the desert place of disobedience into the new land and you actually have to do something you have to say the bible says if you confess with your mouth that jesus christ is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead it says you will be saved that is a crossing of the jordan you've got to move out of the desert place that you've been in the desert place of disobedience you see and so there's many crossings of the jordan we have the first one is salvation being born again that's, that's the landmark crossing of Jordan in the New Testament description. And then there's many things we do as we begin to learn to follow Jesus. There's, there's small crossings of the Jordan. And as we learn to have Christ work through us, there's little crossings of the Jordan again and again and again in our life as we step into things that, that God is up to. And so words on a page don't help you a bean, friends. The law could not help them one bit to get that promised land. They had to unite it with faith. They had to unite it with obedience. They had to face that river and it was, it was full of water and they had to believe God would open that thing up and that they would go in and then they'd never been to it. They didn't know what a promised land was. Only two of them had seen it with, and touched it. Joshua and Caleb had physically been in there when you look at Numbers chapter 11. Moses saw it from a distance, but he never got there. So it's only two of them actually felt the dust, felt the dirt, tasted the grapes. All these other people, what is a promised land? They'd grown up in the desert. Remember this, the whole generation that went in to the promised land had never tasted the fruits of it. They had no idea what it really was. See, they'd spent their whole life in the desert place. Imagine that. You grew up in a camel skin tent in the desert. And you're now 45 years of age. And your leader's talking about going into the promised land. Say, what's a promised land? I've only known dust and dirt, you see. And so this is a, a, put yourself in that place. It requires faith to get over that Jordan River. And so... When we look at the New Testament and we take these verses of Scripture here in 9, 10 and 11, uh, we look at the Christ, the, the, the Joshua of the New Testament. And in fact, that's where Jesus gets his name from, as I said earlier. Uh, and what does this, this Christ do for us? And how does he help us cross the river? And so there's a couple of verses here I want to draw to your attention. In the New Testament, 
Jesus subdues our, our enemies. Joshua subdued the enemies of the land. And he went in and God used him to lead the nation to subdue those enemies and give them something new, give them the promise. Jesus, for us, subdues our enemies. Here's an interesting verse of Scripture, and you need to use this one if you're praying for people who've got demonic problems. It says, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. This is the Joshua of the New Testament. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. I'll just read it out for you. Uh, Since then the children have flesh and blood, that's us, he too shared in their humanity, that's Jesus, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who, th- who through all of their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. That's what Jesus does for us. He takes us from that that desert land of the fear of death and he transfers us across the Jordan into the peace of salvation and eternal life. That's what Jesus does for us. John 1, chapter 3, verse 8. The one who does uh, what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has sinned from the beginning. The reason the Son of God, Jesus, appeared was to destroy the devil's works. See, this new Joshua comes in and he conquers the land in your heart that was claimed by the disobedience of sin. Isn't that a good thing? I tell you, I was born again when I was nearly 22 years of age. I am dramatically different person, friends. And, And the desert land of sin, I just don't ever go back there again. That's bad news. And, and now I, I'm experiencing all that this new Joshua gives me, this, this Jesus figure. And so God calls us to cross the Jordan to see a different future. And that's what it's all about, to see a different future, friends. Personally for yourself, what difference do you see in your future? Do you want to remain as you are all your life? Do you want to remain stuck in, in patterns that you're not happy with? things that don't glorify God in your life? Or do you want to cross the Jordan? To cross that Jordan out of those things requires faith and obedience and humility to do that. It requires seeing a different future. Repentance is actually crossing the Jordan. That's what it's about. Get out of the desert of disobedience and get into the promised land where God is going to fulfill his promises to you that he makes to you. And uh, from living in a desert place to living in Christ. And we need to identify the issues in our life where we're still in the desert land. You know, you might think, well, I've walked with the Lord for years. Well, how can there be anything you know, in my life that's a desert place of disobedience or something that, that I knew, need new life in? Or when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's amazing what he shows you, you know. I've been in the Lord 40 over years now, and still the Holy Spirit puts your finger on something. So get out of that desert place, cross the Jordan into new life, and, and it's that refining of your own life to be like Jesus. And it's often small things, you know. It's the small things that make a big difference in life. You know that? You, sure, you can get the big issues together in your life. And you need to get the big issues together, totally. But you don't get the big issues together terribly often. You do it a few times in your life and there's a big change. But then it's these small refinings. Is that right? And it's the way you handle your relationships. It's the way you, f- you fine-tune. And that's where Jesus shines, friends. 
Have you ever noticed that what makes something shine is the detail? It's often the detail makes the difference between this or that. And, and, and it's the gloss in your life that God wants to put through, through those small things. Now, God is not a hard taskmaster that you can never measure up. That's not what I'm saying, that he's so interested in the, the fine-tuning that, you know, that you're living in condemnation. That's not the point. But the Spirit of God is very, very specific in our life, you know. And you need to get out of the desert place. And too many times I find people hanging around the desert. You don't want to live your life walking around a desert all, all the time, you know. You need to get out of things that are a stumbling block. If you're speaking badly to your wife too often, friends, that's a desert place for you. Or, or girls, to your husband. Or, or to your parents. This is a big one, right? I find so many trashed relationships with parents. That's a tragedy, friends. Because, because that's a place of life. And they're, they're small things where God wants to touch us and to deliver us and change us and refine us. Then you get on to other issues that people squirrel away and they hide and they're too ashamed to ever tell anybody because they think, well, they'll think I'm crazy if I tell them this is really what's in my life, you know. And, and people are terrified to reveal their hearts to others and they carry terrible burdens, I've found, uh, many, many years, good people that look, you know, the, uh, their lives look together, but there's something in their life that they're squirreling away that just really, really bothers them. And you see, God's interested in those things, and he wants to get you across the promised land. I think that's, that's a wonderful promise God makes for us. And, you know, moral purity is an area that God is deeply interested in, the purity of our relationships. You know, when, when I read the scriptures and I was not saved, the Sermon on the Mount nailed me to the wall. It says, if you look at a woman to lust for her in your heart, you've committed adultery already. And I went, bang, I'm, I'm undone, you know. And God hit me between the, right up the side of the head on that one, you see. And subsequently, he will continue to do the same all your life. Don't think you're free. You know, you've got to walk in holiness and purity. And so these are the things that God is deeply interested in. And it pleases the small things please God. So... Put behind us those things that are not pleasing to him and uh, have the courage to face them, you know, and cross that Jordan as there's something better for you. Now, let's look at this together uh, as a whole group. Let's just switch gears a little bit here. So Joshua 1, twice it says cross the Jordan. In, in verse 2, Keith, if we can put that up there, it says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then... Uh, you and all the people get ready to cross the Jordan. Uh, it's all fuzzed out. Cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you, uh, give them. Uh, can't quite see it. Sorry, it's because of the light factor up here. But you get the picture, right? You can read that because I've got a light shining straight in my face on the glasses. So cross the Jordan is mentioned there in verse 2. And then again, as we had in the introduction, it's mentioned in Joshua 1, 9 to 11. And he prefaces that. In verse 9, before he says in verse 11, cross the Jordan, he prefaces it with a statement, and this statement is mentioned three times, which is in verse 5, 9, and 17, and that is, I am with you. Now, that's a really important New Testament principle of ministry, this whole I am with you thing, because it gives us confidence. I want to tell you about a guy who actually is not far from that place, Mojo Kurto, that was just up on the board there place called Surabaya. 
I, I trained a group there in about 10 years ago. It was a fairly large group and we were there for quite a time in Surabaya. And there was one guy called Hencher, that's a Dutch name, though this guy's an Indonesian. They're all Indonesian bar one or two foreigners. And so um, we, we have a whole strategic way of looking at a new location. And so this guy Hencher had on his heart what's called the Wana people. The Wana people are a small tribe of 40 people. They have their own unique language. The eastern part of Indonesia is full of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of small unique languages. Most of them uh, have been targeted now. There'd be very few left. When I say targeted, I mean someone has gone there. So this Wana tribe up in Sulawesi was one of these groups that live up through the mountains and Hencher had had it on his heart to go there. So we worked with Hencher to get started. Now, friends, this is a crossing of the Jordan. You've got to physically go from one place to another, get out of your comfort zone and go to a people who are not your own. So we worked with him to do this. Now, it's a long story. There's, a, there's 10 years of story, which I'm not going to tell you right now. But I was just getting statistics just last week to count up for our region. And I, I wanted to get some fresh stats. They've baptised 4,700 and they've got 6,000 in fellowship with 150 churches. He started from zero. He had to cross the Jordan. He had to learn their language. And he's got eight full-time people there now that are with him. And we've now run a couple of our other small units up there and training those Wana people now to be missionaries themselves into the surrounding areas. So it's going second generation into other areas. Now the reason I tell you that is this whole thing is I am with you. You, you see engaging the world it's about I am with you. Now we have a command that says go into all the world and, and make disciples preach the gospel whichever way one you particularly want to read. There's lots of verses like this. So when God says that, it's not a matter of slavery. He says, oh, I have to share, I have to talk about Jesus. Do I have to do it all the time, Lord? No, you don't, <laughs> by the way. But you are called to shine your light. and You are called to be ready to give a, an explanation of the hope that's within you. Is that true? Absolutely. Now, ministry to the world, friend, is all about I am with you. That's, that's where the confidence to cross the river comes from. And the confidence of a guy like Hensher and his team is the fact that if you get into the Wana tribe, guess who got there ahead of you? God's Holy Spirit. He's been at work calling, preparing those people, waiting for the good news to get there. And so when you talk to a relative, a friend, an ex-door neighbour, anybody at all, and you're, you're, you're revealing Christ in your own unique way of doing that. Friends, this is the deal. I am with you. I got to that person before you did, says the Lord. And it's a matter of discovering what God is doing in people's lives. That's what ministry is about, friend. friends. It's about finding where God's at work in someone's life. Before you, and you just join with God. And so... You know, some of these tribes have not been open to the gospel. We've had ministry in some parts of Indonesia now for, for a couple of decades or more and literally, friends, a handful of people have come to Christ. They are fiercely resistant, stubborn-minded people and you, you try and find where God's at work and you're going, Lord, where, what's that? We know you're at work here somewhere but it's buried deep with this, with re underneath religious fanaticism. It's buried, buried deep underneath culture. 
you know, and to dig down there to find where God works very hard to do that. So some, peop- some places and people are very open. Your job is to discover where God's at work. And that takes the burden off ministry. You go into a hospital. You go into a prison. God got there before Deb got there. Is that right? He's at, he's at work in those ladies' lives. And you come in and say, all right, Lord, who are these people that you're at work in? I want to find. You share your testimony and you see who responds. You see that? That's how it is. I was uh, just recently sharing with someone and I thought, I'm going to share my testimony with this person to see if I can dig out who, what's happening in that person's life. And sure enough, I I discovered that that person was remarkably open. I didn't think they would have been until until you shared. You know, I'm often asked this question, well, well, Roger, how do you know if somebody's open to the gospel? Good question, right? The only way, friends, you will ever know if someone's open to the gospel is to share it with them. They might be interested in spiritual things. They might talk about all these things that sound pretty cool and they go, oh, this person's really, really interested you know what? They could be dead shut until you share the gospel. That's the only way you know if they're open is to explain it to them. And then they go, oh, I'd never heard that before or reject it, right? Uh, so, all right. So, I am with you is a really important principle of Joshua 1. Now, Matthew 28, which we've all heard many, many times, 19 to to 20 or 18 to 20 it says go therefore and make disciples of all nations and it says to baptize them and then verse 20 and teach them to obey everything i've commanded you and the last part of the whole book of matthew is i am with you and that's the confidence i am with you that's how you make disciples because you know god when i do this when i step out of the land when i cross the jordan into that context might be a prison, it might be your next door neighbours, your relatives. When you cross that Jordan, friends, I am with you. He's at work, right? And and you know that's why you can share about Jesus because God will be at work. And so this year um, we've been talking about crossing of the Jordan. Why why are we majoring on this point? Because this is really 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 important season, friends. You might kind of guess that we are coming out of this crazy time slowly, slowly. People have been shocked, traumatized, and just up, tipped upside down. Perfect for the gospel, friends. We are on the edge of a great spiritual awakening. And I see this. I see it across the nations where we are through COVID time in Indonesia. Uh, most of our stuff had stopped. We thought the whole thing had come to a standing crunch, and it did. We haven't been able to do leadership development, leadership mentoring and gatherings. It's just stopped dead in its tracks. But counting the number of people coming to Christ, virtually not changed. How's that? Hardly changed the bean. And, and so God's at work. And in fact, in some places, it's, it's on the increase. It's more because of this COVID thing because people are shaken up, you see, out of their old belief systems. And that's what's happening right now. So, friends, this is a really important point in time, an inflection point for us as a church, as a body of Christ, to cross yet another Jordan. And it's a time to ramp up our efforts in church planting and ramp up our efforts in the community because I am deeply confident he's at work more than ever 
in these communities. Now, some of us in these congregations, the, the ones we have, have already crossed the Jordan into new things. We've, we've got the Alpha running. And that's pretty exciting, friends, by the way. A whole lot of people have jumped into this Alpha thing and invited people and stepped up as facilitators. They've crossed the Jordan. And it's very exciting to see what's happened. I was just listening to someone the other day who has crossed the Jordan in their life and has signed up to be an RI teacher, religious education getting, teacher getting trained. Never done it before, someone from our congregation. That's a crossing of the Jordan, you see, stepping into a whole new, new thing to find where God's at work. I was listening to, to Wayne Wright the other day talking about uh, his work as a school teacher. He, man, this brother has the, one of the best opportunities to share the gospel uh, among us every day. He can do it where he is in a Catholic, church, Catholic school system and, and he's got marvellous opportunities to share good news. So, friends, um, step up this year. Now, some of you have already stepped up. This is not new to you. You say, well, I'm already stepped up. I'm already moving. But you need to, we need to move together. This is the point about Joshua 1. It's about moving together as a church into new things, not just individually. And what new things corporately can we be doing and stepping up into? Let's keep our eyes and our ears open to see what God has for you. Things... Uh, that you need to step into, comfort zones you need to step out of, new things that you might not be familiar with that you step into. And I've just named a couple of those. Church planting, you know, we can ramp that up. We just need to have people willing to do that. And, and you know, you don't have to have a Bible to college degree to plant a church, let me tell you that. You, know, you have to know how to gather people, love them intensely and disciple them. And, and you know, Anyone almost can plant a church if you know what to do. And that's the point, if you know what to do. So, friends, let's move from just being consumers or attenders. And I say that to urge us on to love and good works. That, that we not just consume the faith and, and attend, but we, and not be an observer but a participant. And as, uh, for some people, they need to stop being judges and start, start putting behind them what they don't like about church and start getting involved and reshaping it by involvement rather than criticism. And so, friends, um, let's just finish up right now. We're going to pray for some people and we are already getting inundated by some new folks. So let's go to prayer right now. I want the Holy Spirit to lead you in your life and uh, respond to this message personally, but let's respond corporately. Uh, I'm going to just have some time of prayer ministry here. Uh, anything personal you want to just cross over in, anything corporate that you want to get involved in, let's just respond to the Holy Spirit and we'll uh, commission you to go home as well. Okay, so let's pray together. And um, just as the music starts, you're free to leave most free to leave, but you're also free to come forward and respond and we'll pray with you about anything the Spirit of God might be speaking to you right now. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that the scriptures have been given to us as an example and we thank you for the life of Joshua and how he characterized the new Christ and the life of obedience and faith. And Father God, we want to draw from that grace this morning, New Testament grace into our life, Father. And Lord, uh, thank you for touching us. And if there's 
areas in our life, Lord, that are desert places that need to be laid behind us and we need to walk over into new life, Lord. I pray you'd speak to people about that. Thank you that you're faithful to put your finger on issues, Lord, that are important to you. And Father, uh, if you're calling people into new dimensions of ministry as well, Father, to cross over into new contexts and do things they've never done before. Spirit of God, I pray you put in them a holy ambition now in Jesus' name. And now, Father, I commit us all to you and uh, thank you for sending us home with favor on our life, Lord, in the name of Jesus.